Joshua Michael, hey. my best friend Colin. How you doing, buddy? Hey, hey, I'm you gonna, doing all right? I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a jerk and just be annoying for a minute. Hey, you're yes, gonna I'm piss fine. me How off. You're trying to sync this shit, brother. Got some waveforms I gotta sync. I'm good. I'm tired. <clears throat> I, I, I haven't gotten very little sleep in the past like month. I, I feel like all I do is sleep four hours a day and wake up more tired. I might get a little bit of like some solid REM. For like some terrifying nightmare, and I wake up even more tired, and uh, I gotta get back to it. And after like, yeah, there's just my you know, my mom got sick this week, and I hate going to fucking hospitals. It's delayed like us recording, guys. Sorry, we've been so late. It's been uh, it's been my fault. I've had a lot of uh, a lot of things I've had to take care of this week. Um, but yeah, we're we've got. A couple of comics from last week um, that were pretty relevant. Last, luckily, last week was kind of a, a short haul. This week was juicy. What do you got, brother? It's true. Yeah, you know, I've actually got stuff I haven't had the opportunity to finish reading yet, or rather even start. I've got a stack of those over here. I got a stack of stuff I did read over on the left. Um, yeah, it has been tight. I'm trying to get in, get moved into a new place, or get it all, figure out a new place, and then get moved and... That has uh, that has eaten up all of my attention. That's like a twenty-four hour a day concern for me until it gets settled. But plus, uh, you got to see your your boy a lot the past two weeks, haven't you? That's true. I did spend all last week with him, and then um, I saw him uh, in the last. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we we had a uh, he had a rank test for his taekwondo, so he's now an advanced white belt. I saw him uh, go through that today, and he. Showed no fear, no nerves, no concern. He just no. knew what he was supposed to do. It was mm. awesome. No mercy. No mercy. Um, no, probably. He's too <laughs> sweet. He's definitely. He's too sweet. He is. Uh, he is. A, he is a, a merciful lad. We'll see what he's like when in like five years. I'll be interested when he's a teenager to see if he is still as sweet then as he is now. That's one thing I think is, uh, even though I'm not a dad, but it's one of those things I thought of when I was a teenager, uh, you know, you know, criticizing in my head, my dad or my family, but, uh, you know, when you're just angry all the time, but like, uh, I've seen a lot of different people that are really good, um, single mothers, single fathers, but like, uh, a common thing that I find that, uh, rational, intelligent people have been following is like, you know, in my, my parents did the same thing to me, but I didn't realize it until it was too late that I could appreciate it. But, um, my mom made sure I stayed sweet I and mean, I was a little shit man. So when I was a little, little bastard, my dad would just <laughs> knock the shit out of me. And, but my mom made sure I didn't lose my heart and I stayed sweet. And, uh, that's, I think that's really important for, for young men, young men these days, whether, whether or not they should be in tune with their feelings, but at least have the opportunity to, you know, not have it crushed out of you. <laughs> like being raised by like, you know, uh, you know, baby boomer, baby boomer father or something like that, 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 you know, like, no men, men bleed. They don't cry. 
Yeah, but you know what, brother? Been very nice. You you talked you talked very kindly about your your mom, and I've 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 you've been on the phone going in and out and saying hello to them and stuff like that, and you're always very very genteel with them. Uh, you know whether whether it does you any good with them or not. <laughs> this is things happen on different days. People have have different uh, attitudes on different days, and just you never know what. Yeah, but don't don't. Don't get it misconstrued, man. I like our, our listeners. You know what's up, but like my dad is literally the greatest guy that's ever walked the earth. I I, I think he he's got he holds the moon to me, man. But uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, mom gets better soon. And I'm not supposed to tell my family about that sort of stuff, but when she gets sick, but I doubt any of them listen to this. <laughs> so like, oh yeah, you know, when your friends are like, oh yeah, your podcast. I totally listen to that. You, you can be like, thank you, but you don't want to quiz them because you know they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was your favorite part? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I liked it when you uh, said 15. that uh, linking verb that was very, uh, you know, you, you just said something that was so funny the other day. What was it? Uh, monkey torture. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I never said that. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Monkey not our best fights. work. Let's get on. Let's get on it. <laughs> let's get on with it. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're both exhausted. We're doing our best for y'all. It's been a, it's been a week. All right, let's talk about these comics that we got this week. Uh, a couple oh, from sure. last week. What was that, brother? For sure, for sure. Oh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, nope. I'm gonna no wait Come. wait. I'm gonna jump off comics real quick. It's a plug. The uh, you were you were trying to figure out, and I was trying to figure out, and I feel like a dummy now. Um, what episode of Star Trek we uh, commentated, commentaried the other night? It was Darmok. And um, it's only because I was... Oh, Darmok, yes. Yeah. I was rifling through these micro-machines, and I found my Temerian vessel micro-machine. So uh, maybe that'll be the cover. I don't know. Anyway, uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, look for that. Coming up soon. Darmok, coming to a uh, podcast you already know everything about. Yeah, I'll put it out on Monday, and then I've got a really uh, kick-ass interview with an indie wrestler I'll put out probably on Wednesday. Just got to make sure I get permission mm-hmm. for the photographer that uh, she wants me to use the photo from. Really kick-ass girl named Caitlin here in uh, Colorado. I think she lives in Boulder, and she goes to all the shows that she possibly can. Man, is she an absolute consummate professional, and I'm just happy to like at least call her uh, an acquaintance. Um, but yeah, comics. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Annual at number least. one. Yeah, yep. yeah, totally picked that up. Mm. Did you 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 didn't find a copy of this, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, I but I'm, say, I'm, like, I'm glad you did. Um, we're I it's something I'm still complaining about. It feels like every comic book that I got uh, this week had this ink and paper concern that I don't like. That's going to leave a big fat stinking thumbprint somewhere. Uh, the you know, this is this has turned into a pet peeve for me. I hate when you see an old Silver Age book and you could tell it was on a newsstand and somebody came in and just pulled them all forward to see what was behind them. This, this to me, whatever they're doing with this ink and this paper, to uh, once you've read your book and you've got this permanent fingerprint on one side or the other, is uh, is the cur- yep. is the like modern day equivalent of that, and it sucks. Um, Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy, number one. I mean, if you look at the cover, you see that this is directly answering the questions that I've been concerning myself with. 
for all these cosmic level characters who disappeared at the beginning of Guardians in uh, the uh, number one uh, recent run, and um, yeah, where did they all go? They got trapped in a black hole because the uh, Thanos black world. Hold on, hold on, yeah, hold what, on. We gotta what, go what, through what? the list. We gotta go through the list. We gotta go through the list for relaunching that. Uh, we're going to the list of the comics we're gonna tell everyone about. Oh, I thought you wanted me to just get after it. Go to town. No. No, we got Guardians of the Galaxy Annual number one. I'm glad you brought that. You got that because they reference it in Silver Surfer Black number one. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week's Thanos, Thanos number two, uh, Spidey Life Story number four, the '90s, uh, Black Cat number one with yet another bullshit, same shit every day. Uh, uh, J. Scott Campbell fucking cover. Uh, Spidey number twenty three. I've got Event Leviathan number one, Punisher number twelve. Really kick-ass new comic called Sonata, and then an even better one called The Ride, both from Image. Uh, Glow number two. We've got a little bit of wrestling to talk about, even though I've been too busy to watch any wrestling this week, which really bums me out. The Walking Dead Minute from last week, uh, 192. And The Batman Who Laughs, number six out of seven. But yeah, sorry, you're, you're hyped mm. to talk about Guardians. Annual number one. Oh yeah, I was uh, just going to go right into it. Uh, artist, writer, colorist, whose name can't we pronounce this week? Let's... <laughs> dude yeah maybe we ought to run a raffle or something for when we actually pronounce something correct um this is a vignette book a lot of uh a lot of um uh annuals get turned into vignette books so this this features multiple stories uh Don, we got a donny kate story we've got an al ewing story we've got a teeny howard story and we've got a zach thompson and lonnie Ryder nadler sorry nadler uh, story. Uh, John McCree, Yolandri Sinar, never. Wow, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Ibrahim Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafa. Goodness Mustafa. gracious. And then uh, Philippe. Mustafa. Philippe Andrade. I can do Andrade. Uh, let Dude, me, uh, his mom. Andrade, Cien Almas Andrade, his mom died the other day, like, during the fucking uh, Superstar Showdown. Like, they had to, like, uh, like they had to give him and Charlotte, like, like a week off. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. Dude, I f- oh, that sucks. That's rough. I'm sorry, but, dude. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure he will find comfort within the, uh, comforts within the bosom of the uh, Ashley Fleer. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, she's. I think she's she a sweet like girl, and I think that she's. I bet a, she's a sweet the girl. Kind of the kind of. I, I really imagine she's probably the kind of girlfriend you want to have, you know, or I agree. fiance or whatever the hell's going on there. Anyway, I will say okay. So like, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Annual Number One. You open this thing and you are treated to a psychedelic Legion ad for the FX original series Legion, the new season coming up. I haven't seen a single episode of it. I'm interested in it. Fuck I that. love. You haven't watched it. Fuck it. No, no dude. Anything with David. It, anything that would focus on David Haller more than uh, five pages, <laughs> where he does anything significant, is gonna be shit. Like they picked the wrong fucking character to focus on. Fuck Legion. For a TV show. Yeah, he's like the main guy. That's why they call it Legion. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, I just gotta say, I love Aubrey Plaza, and she's on that show. Um, but not, it's, you know, I don't know, she's, 
not enough for me to be like, okay, I have to sit down and watch that because I still haven't seen Discovery, Star Trek Discovery Season 2, let alone Jack Ryan. Obvious things that I would totally watch. But, I don't uh, understand how have... people like Audrey, Audrey Plaza, dude. Like, she's got that resting bitch face, and every interview I've ever seen with her, <laughs> she seems like one of those really boring girls that looks for quirky things that she can say that that's how she's like, and then just assimilates it into her personality for a sm- short amount of time until she finds something else. Like, just I don't know, boring. I think she might be as weird as she comes off, and it, it works. I, I'll just say, watch the movie Safety Not Guaranteed. It's, uh, it's charming, and she does a great job in it. Um, okay, I mean... Guardians. Uh, Sorry. Guardians. So the, the, the the contents page. I don't know where my mind was. I flipped this thing open and you see the Silver Surfer there and his fist is just ill positioned uh, for his right right fist in this depiction of the Silver Surfer is ill ill positioned to make you think that he's not nude on the board. But I will uh, digress past that. Um, the first story focuses heavily on Cosmo, the space dog, who is really? a fan favorite, um, in that he, Cosmo and a mysterious man is are trying to figure out where all of these heroes disappeared to. And um, this is a recurring... This is a story that happens at the beginning and at the end of another story. So you kind of dart around and you don't really realize... You've read one story, and then you immediately are on the next page, and the next story started. But then when you're done with all of this, you're finishing up Faith, is the name of the story. So the Cosmo and Mystery Man story is called Faith. And then you're immediately on the next page, and it's called A Long Time in Politics. That's the Al Ewing story. And that focuses on uh, Richard Richard Ryder Nova. And then Quasar comes in. And... uh, I mean, I, dude, I mean, you remember when we went to uh, uh, Denver Comic-Con and I got that big brick of 50 issues of Quasar? Uh, yep. I, I chewed through that, and I really... I, he's turned into kind of a really amazing character, and it's one of those things where it's really hard to get a handle on that character because he is so op- overpowered, and, you know, sometimes he's got, the, he's got the quantum bands, and he's got all this stuff, and then for a while, Philavella was Quasar, and... It's just you never know what's I don't know man he's he's it's it's an all over the place character and then somebody decides okay let's get rid of this stuff and let's bring back the original just like they did with Richard Ryder because where's freaking uh, Carefree Arizona I don't even remember the kid's name now Sam Sam Alexander Nova like what's he doing is he in the champions uh, uh, l- the last time I saw him was in the champions and I stopped reading that after it was just became like a teenage makeout fest in the woods with. Uh, uh, daughter of Vision. Oh, well, what it all ends up doing is that we've got all this different stuff going on with Nova here where he's realizing that there's things that he can do to save people and there's other things that he can't do to save people. And he's getting word from Quasar that, uh, you know, this person died, that person survived. And this is all from this last uh, Thanos-related incident and uh, which we're still dealing with. Like, this is like the longest aftermath of a Thanos incident. It's multiple, multiple books are still going on about the Thanos incident. Now we have Thanos back in Guardians because that's what happens when you reattach somebody's head. They magically come back to life. Well, um, that's, not, that's not exactly what happened. Yeah, well, 
They, I mean, they, you know, they reconstituted him. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got all this stuff going on. You've got all these concerns, and Richard Ryder Nova is super concerned that everything, like, everybody's pulling out of the Kittimer Accords or whatever, and that's a Star Trek joke. But um, because I've been watching <laughs> Deep Space Nine Season 3, and uh, that's what happens. The Klingons become villains again. Everybody's going their own way. The Kree, the Skrull, I don't know, the Dire Wraiths. Everybody is gearing up for... We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it by ourselves and don't touch us and we won't touch you type of thing. And, you know, it's all going to end up in a giant war that uh, we're clearly gearing up for if that if this is any indication. But uh, they got he gets, you know, Nova gets kind of hacked off at Quasar because Quasar's um, peachy keen, I guess. He's just too optimistic about things. The universe will take care of itself, man. Don't get so bent out of shape. Dude, I'm... It's one thing when you're overpowered like Quasar, but let's say right? Nova and you have a power and you see the limitations of your power over and over and over, even when you're Nova Prime, even when you have the full power of the world mind and you still can't save a planet now and again, or you still see all of these people doing awful things to one another. Every time I read about Cosmic Marvel at this point, <clears throat> I see these cosmic do-gooders flying in trying to save the day, and they are constantly encountering scumbag societies that should just get eaten by Galactus. Like, right? these people over here, but, like, who gets to make that call? And what it what it rolls up into is that at a certain point, it's like, there are, there are just planetary destruction threats constantly happening in the Marvel Universe, and it's a wonder that it's not all just debris out there at a certain point. Is your but, uh, is your problem that they're not developing these uh, interstellar uh, entities in a uh, nice fleshy way the way we know the Shi'ar or the Kree and they're just like oh all of a sudden there's a problem over here we all got to show up over here and kick some ass. Um no like uh, let's make another Star Trek analogy that I think you'll understand. Think of uh think of uh the Silver Surfer as Guinan. Okay? Okay. My planet got destroyed, or I, I became the guy and I pl- I saved it, you know, Novar. No, is it Novar? It's not Novar. It's uh, Norrin Rad is his name. But I don't remember. The- Kree-La? I can't remember the name of his planet suddenly. Um, uh, 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 Ven- Venla? Uh, got, uh... Somebody email us, please. Anyway, uh, <laughs> We're idiots. Yeah, we could look it up, but hey, you email us. There will be a prize. You let us know. I'll send you a micro machine. Uh, but, like, the, uh, you know, you get these these... They're extras. These planets are all extras. So then it's like, okay, you go and here's everybody's pack leads over here. Or do we want to flesh out these guys and make them the Ferengi or whatever? But then, because that's what happens in the next story. We get to figure out, okay, Adam Warlock got out of the black hole. And there Zen he Law. is. And, uh, oh, Zen Law. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, no, no micro machines, only for Joshua. And um, <laughs> then, uh, you know... Adam Warlock just drifting through space now and doesn't know what to do with himself. And he encounters... This is a real annual story. This is like just a vignette thing. This is, just does nothing for anybody. But he encounters a, like, <clears throat> I don't know, Moss Man from He-Man race or something like that. And um, they're all worshipping this totemic god. And he shows up and they think, oh, you're a messenger from God. And he's like, no, I'm not. And uh, it's kind of more of this Thanos imperative to eliminate half the universe. Uh, this 
species produces asexually, they just create three new little critters all of the time. And, uh, like, so they have little litters of three. And um, the godhead that came to their world and was like, you know, yeah, I'm going to let these... I saved these guys and gave them appropriate lives. And I'm going to make them into an army. And they're going to march across the universe for my glory. And so Adam Warlock is like, that's a bunch of crap. You're... They don't know that. You're not even telling them that. So he ends up defeating them, and he's like, I've got to be up here, and I've got to be their, their god for a minute. Until they can, like, get beyond the concept of needing a god or something like that. Anyway, it was kind of a half-assed story. I was about to ask, like, how, how could you, like, flesh a story that out, like, in a, in a, in a I would imagine, maybe ten pages, if not less? Let's, yeah, I'm going to count them real quick. I mean, it was really, there's a big advertisement in the middle of it. But I'm going to say it's like two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, ten pages total. And um, by the way, a gigantic ad for Death of Rocket. Like, why are we killing Rocket off? He's going to come <laughs> back in less than six months. Why does this matter? <laughs> if you're advertising Death of Rocket, that's like, who gives a shit then? You know, just make it a huge surprise. Right. Lead up to it for a while. Good writing is taking a character that people give a rip about and leading up to like, oh man, it's been so rocket heavy lately. I just, I, you know, maybe you don't even like him. Maybe it's a Jack of Hearts or something or Bug or something like that who was a great guardian for a minute. And it's like, you, oh wow, blah, blah, blah. I just want to see more about it and then kill him. And then you're like, oh, my heart. This is like we're advertising Death of Rocket. Give me a break. Anyway, so then the uh, story gets back and we've got uh, Darkhawk. We've got a Darkhawk vignette here at the Finally. end. And I don't know what the crap is going on in this story. Um, parts of it are purposefully well drawn. And then other parts of it are like timescape surreal with like drawn out features and stuff like that. Um he like loses part of the armor, part of the dark hawk, dark hawk armor, and then he realizes that like he's actually bleeding inside of it, and he wonders. I'm I was looking at it and I was like, does it, is his hand supposed to fit this? But yeah, I mean, like in the end of it, he takes off the helmet and he looks at himself, and he's younger than he was when he first found the amulet in like 1991 or whatever it was. So. Okay. There's a huge change in the Darkhawk story right there if anybody cares to do anything with it. It just seems like everybody decides to do something with Darkhawk. And it's like, well, I had this idea that I'd do like, something on Iron Man, but they're not giving me Iron Man. They gave me Darkhawk, so I'm going to go ahead and do something with it. I don't know. I don't know why this was the direction it went. Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. Ah! You don't know what the story is. I don't know what we're trying to go at here. It's not like somebody's going to resolve this in a weekly ongoing or monthly ongoing Darkhawk story. Anyway, we get past that, and he's uh, he's saying the same thing. And you wanted to talk about themes while it's when we talked about our next uh, podcast. Right. And the theme here is faith, um, because the first story was about faith and more faith and faith, and it's like. Nova didn't have faith, but Quasar does. And then it's the, the faith that uh, these aliens have in Adam Warlock when he replaces their god. And then 
whatever the hell's going on with Darkhawk, and then they just throw it on the last page to make you feel like there's something faith-based going on here, I guess. Okay, so we get past that, and Cosmo is there again. We find out that the Mystery Man is the Magus. And Okay. And uh, Which is... We, uh... The yeah. Magus is is what's going on uh, in Thanos, right? That's right. Yeah, in the Thanos book. So what we have is that we start to realize that uh, Cosmo is for some reason helping the. Ma- I'm sorry, I kicked the mic. Some reason helping the Magus acquire all of the beings that were trapped inside the uh, black hole. So on the last page, we, I'm sorry, page, I think we're seeing um, Fire Lord, we're seeing a Cree, a, a Skrull, Darkhawk, Chad, the uh, alien from the Star Jammers, and uh, some other nameless characters. And um, so that's setting something up. Like, for one thing, I don't recall, like, I almost have to go back and reread this stuff. To figure out, like, Warlock and Magus can't coexist simultaneously. And That's what I thought. Yeah, so that being the case, um, it's worth going back almost to check it out and see, is the Adam Warlock that we've been reading about since the Infinity business... Really uh, Adam Warlock? Or maybe there's some sort of time Warlock displacement? from another reality. Uh, that would make more sense. The, uh, the, Heather, or the Moon Dragon and um, Heather... From, uh, oh God, if, if they're not one in the same. Oh, the it's, lesbian it's, couple that's cruising around with uh, Star-Lord right now. Yeah. They're from another reality. Yeah, they're from the, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, they're from the reality when uh, time folded when Gamora had the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where this Adam Warlock is from. Maybe yeah, it could be. I mean, we've it's so something. many parallel realities. Honestly, I don't care. I love it. If that's where they're going with it, I don't care if there are multiple Wolverines and multiple Spider-Men from other realities, especially if it's from after Battle World. I like yep. this idea. I'll I'll live with this idea because in the end, you know, if you have Old Storm talking to Ultimate Storm or some wacky thing like that, yeah, I can't tell you what your future holds. It's uh, quite different over here, you know. It's like watching the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Anyway, I was hoping, yeah, man. I was hoping that that because I hated the last Infinity Gauntlet story that whatever yeah, they whatever they could salvage would would lead to better stories and inspire a few of the guys in the bullpen to you know what this story might have sucked but this little offshoot this little story f really's got some potential and if they, that's what they're doing with Adam Warlock I mean you know god bless him like I, I want more Adam Warlock we need more uh galaxy creatures and and entities to really sink our teeth into and if they took the helm with that and let him wander in and create new things. I want more cosmic entities. I don't just want the, like the eight or 10 we can name off the top. I of our know, head. man. Yeah. I mean, there's one page in here that depicts, uh, when, when Nova and, uh, Quasar are talking and th- it's them talking about all these guys and it shows the, the stranger and, uh, Galactus and ego, the living planet. And, um, Oh, let me see. I think Eternity was there. I have to flip to it to find it. 
But it's kind of like, it's super rad to see that, oh, there are Celestials. Yeah, Eternity is totally there. Which, by the way, folks, I don't know. I mean, it was a couple of uh, releases ago. But um, if you get to uh, the the Hero Click, the Eternity Hero Click, that is one of the best clicks. Just beautiful sculpt. Oversized, really pretty. They did an amazing job with translucent stars and stuff like that. Super rad, by the way. Uh, is there, a, is, there a, this week. is there a variant where it's got doom doom's a doom's a you know mask over it uh what on the it would it would make sense yeah right. um, oh, no know. i'm thinking infinity i'm i'm thinking infinity infinity was is is the actual entity of the of the universe right infinity I'm infinity not sure I'm is the you. Infinity is the persona, the the anthropomorphication of the actual known universe, like in its entirety, that Doom had oh, okay. secretly taken over with the help of the Beyonders and and the Celestials to really take over and become a god in Secret Wars. Oh, okay, and, I gotcha. And it was it was Silver Surfer uh, figuring it out and breaking his hold on eternity that stopped the secret wars I, and, but you're talking about eternity not infinity right that's correct yeah mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to consult my uh marvel comic book uh <laughs> cards <laughs> make sure. yeah. keep talking while i go get to the archives <laughs> <laughs> there you go you want me to start with keep talking for black Keep talking. Hold on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is what happens is that we've got bookshelves all around us, and uh, they're not sound canceling clearly. That's why you can hear a cricket. Uh, I've got two bookshelves in my room that are featuring a lot of like Marvel masterworks and omnibus editions, and um, my Scott Pilgrim color hardbacks and things like that. And then I've got uh, about three more bookshelves in the other room. And then there's just I don't know. I'm not going to say how many comics I have under this uh under this uh this uh table over here but like yeah there's there's we we sometimes you got to pop in and figure these things out now and again we just can't find it on the internet anyway but um yeah we were going to stick with a cosmic theme and i'm going to jump in on silver surfer black here this was an odd odd duck this is a donny cates book um trad moore uh unusual artistry for sure and this hold, is one of five. Hold on so, to that because I want to talk about the art especially. Okay. I won't talk about the art. You can talk about the art. I will say one of the things I thought was cool is that this month they uh, <clears throat> launched out with a new stand soapbox page and uh, straight up like stomping down on bigotry. There, very, there you go. Very nice. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a story. I mean, it's all, it's very insular. It's surfer you know out and about away from the black hole now or he's in the black hole and he's trying to get out sorry and he's uh suffering through like a personality crisis basically just this is who i was this is where i am now and he you know he was instrumental in getting all of these other character excuse me characters out of the black hole and um it looks like tragically some guys got left behind. I mean, 
some, I mean, it's just like, okay, well, it does say it. Find out where their journey takes them in Guardians of the Galaxy Annual Number One. That's but what the I was guys that are the guys that are pictured are not all the same guys. So like, we've got Darkhawk and Chad and Adam Warlock and Cosmo, but. You know, I'm not seeing anything about the rest of the Star Jammers as if I care. Uh, I've never been a fan, but um, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, what it really boils down to is that the Surfer in, is encountering some kind of living diaspora within a black hole. And they're powerful beings that he has a hard time with. That he even managed to snap his board in half and then he gets to reconstitute it. They don't speak any form of language that he can understand. They have their own unique, powerful weapons, but ultimately he's able to best them and get beyond this all, but um, mainly by like becoming the sun in this black hole for a second. But then some that was interesting. entity. Yeah, that was kind of cool. But then some evil entity reaches out and grabs him, and uh, when we are when it's revealed what it is, it's like this messy mixture of I don't know apocalypse with venom symbiote because uh, there's a red venom okay so on its chest okay and so like what Mr. that guy's the Mm-hmm. That guy's the lord of all the symbiotes. He basically has a telepathic link to every symbiote ever. And they just wrapped up a really kick-ass story with him in the pages of Venom that's been going on. It's got really dark. I mean, there was an evil, like, giant dragon attacking New York City. It was kick-ass. And before I get cool. too out of it, uh, we were talking about the same person. It's Eternity, not Infinity. I'm the dummy on that one. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but um, this... When when he he he's tumbling into he saves everyone and he tumbles into nothing and that's one of the things that uh, the themes that I really hope people can really grasp onto because in my mind whether you're Christian uh, Muslim whatever whatever you want to think of in my mind the if in if you guys have a problem with this let me know because I'd love to talk about it with you is a true hell to me would be nothingness to be sensory deprived uh no sound no feeling uh constant hunger loneliness mm. you you can't focus on anything you can't feel anything you can't hear anything i mean they like the what was it like i remember i read about this back in high school like the the soviets could break someone in 15 minutes in a pure sensory deprivation tank and interesting yeah, depriving them of of that sort of uh, of, of of all their senses. Now, they soak them in lukewarm water. That way, you know, just really kind of numbed everything. But that's what he was tumbling through. And in when I was reading that, it really stood out to me that the surfer was strong enough. And in parallel to what he was talking about earlier in the book, when he's like, "I've seen worlds die, cry out for help, and I stood and I did nothing." And these things haunt me, and they they show him set, shed a tear, and I was just like, fuck the tears. And then, okay, maybe, you know, just give this a chance. Maybe that was something yeah. that is integral to the story, whether I like it or not, which is important to, to be able to, to grasp that. And as he's thinking about these things, and he, he is, of all the things that I like about the surfer is 
his travels has led him to be as selfless as someone can possibly get because he got sucked into nothing, but he didn't know where the hell he was sending those guys. He broke he broke that time warp they're in. They they go to someplace mm-hmm. he knows not where, and but as long as he, he figures they'll be fine because they're not where they are now, and he's tumbling for what feels like years and uses the last they make it seem like he's had no energy he's got no uh anything left but he he sees that flicker of light and he you know he says you know i may be beaten but i'm not i'm not helpless and then fucking the last bit of effort he has takes him to this this uh foreign planet and he doesn't know where, where he is in time space whatever but you think he's done but he still has enough energy to fight these assholes that immediately uh-huh. attack him. They start talking in a language he can't understand, but he figures it out pretty goddamn fast, and he fucks them all up. And during the course of this, he creates that sun on, like, what? Didn't they say the planet was metal? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, <clears throat> you know, seem you know, lifeless cold, and he creates that sun or becomes that sun that creates the life, and as he wakens, he wonders what's behind the door. And as it opens, there's, um, there is the, the, God, I gotta look it up while, keep talking while I'm looking up this guy. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, I'm interested to see, he's got like a permanent problem now with this, it's like he's got a curse, you know, the black hand or something like that. Yeah. Or if it is a symbiote, you know, it's not what I got looking at. It has to be a symbiote. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't realize any of that stuff about Venom, I mean, honestly. Yeah, that's null. Okay, that's cool. That's a good thing to, I mean, interesting character. That's How does it pertain to the stuff that was going on in Guardians a couple of years ago when they, when the, uh, this, you know, They went Flash to the Thompson, plane of the symbiotes? Yeah, one of my favorite stories about symbiotes, period. I mean, why do you have to have a symbiote that's a scary bad guy? It should, like, I would love to, love for it to, to like take on the personality of the wearer i could see max gagan being a bad guy with the symbiote or um eddie brock or ed cletus or Gattis cassidy or whatever but um you know well, flash thompson or peter why does it have to be a bad deal but like it makes sense because then they go in and like there was that issue where the guardians took flash like the symbiote came off of him and it took over groot and it went crazy messed up the ship and then they they got to the planet of the symbiotes it was just awesome to for them to be like oh your symbiote is malfunctioning it's damaged let us fix it and then they like absorb the symbiote like odo into the great link in deep space nine and then just kind of put it out there and they're like it's fixed take it home do your thing this is great we send symbiotes out everywhere this is how we experience your existence we're explorers it's cool don't worry about it you know so yeah, I, I, it's one of those stories I really liked. But you're saying there's a well, god of symbiotes. Yeah, he's like basically if you're a symbiote, he can program into you at any time he needs, as long as you're in any way enca- en- encapsulated within the web of these symbiotes. Um, I'm really glad they brought him in because I, I felt like they ended the story in Venom way too early. Uh, maybe five, six. No, maybe, I want to say six, seven issues. It, it like it, it's been like maybe like five months, or it feels like five months. Um, it has to be a symbiote if, if Null is there. And I do like cool. the fact that they're, I, I have, in my recollect, my recollection, they've never fucked with the color of the Silver Surfer. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. 
He's always been silver, except he has been um, like tarnished, like kind of he's he's still like matte colored instead of mm-hmm. chrome colored. Uh, depending on whether or not he had the power cosmic or lost it, or if he was the uh, um, the the herald of Galactus or whatever. I mean, it, it varies, right? But yeah. Now, when I, I want to talk about the art. Now, um, I, I want to talk it, about. Yeah. I I think I mentioned this before, but I want to talk about my early ignorance as a child when I was reading the uh, Topps X Files comics. And I'm like, God, you know, the covers are gorgeous. I mean, they were like, uh, they, they were just as good as the covers of the Sandman. And but then you you open it, and it was just it looked like shit to me. I was like eleven. I know. It, it, it was yeah. I was it, it I was eleven. But then I go to art school and I realized light, dark, you know, all that perspective shit, and. There is an early, it was in 1995, uh, a Wolverine and Gambit crossover. It was like five issues. Oh, I remember it, yeah. Called Victims by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And it was the first time I ever seen or or read Jeff Loeb and seen Tim Sale's artwork. And at first I thought it was ugly. But as I got more and more into it, I realized that like, and as an art student and as an artist myself, I've read it like four or five times, probably more because it was like one of the early sets of comics I had when I was a kid and like one of like the 40 comics I had. So I reread them over and over. Um, mm-hmm. It's proportional, yet it's still stylized. And that stuck out in my head. I was like, this is really ugly at first. I'm like, okay, like why are you going like with the uh, – the bigger eyes of the surfer and, you know, like he's wearing mascara and, and eyeliner, but, um, it really developed the character's expressions and, Uh and the whimsical quality of it made me realize that this guy can probably most definitely probably draw a human figure like, like photogenically or at least halfway photogenically. And this is how he chose to express himself. And I really loved it. I loved the color palette. I loved how the the panels were completely disjointed and in no way coherently cohesive. Like each page was like, you know, nine, 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 nine. Um, he had fun with this and I felt it in, 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 in the artwork. And again, reference back to sale and the, like when they show the hand, when, he, when his hand is black and I, I imagine that's one of those things. It's, it's, it's a symbiote that's doing its best to, you know, Take oh, uh, there's the uh, quintessential <laughs> appearance of uh, Jack and KJ. Uh, it's it's having difficulty, you know. In the as, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Jack, KJ, what are you up to? Well, I'm pretty sure there's this asshole squirrel out there. I want to fucking eat its fucking head, and then I got to take a <laughs> giant shit. What are you doing, Jack? I got to take a shit too, buddy. And then I'm gonna stand at the pork and porch and bark at people that walk by innocently. They don't speak English, dude. They speak German. They speak German. They're not. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, we've gone we've gone pretty far on this. Um, yeah, yeah, for real. Great artwork. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't read a Silver Surfer that I've enjoyed this much probably since I was a kid, and that even goes for the the run that um, All Red was on. Even oh, for, yeah, yeah. That this was this was really good. These guys did a really good job, and I'm really looking forward to it. I I do want to give a shout out to the Iron Lion that has a specialty because if you if you got the director's cut, it shows all like in the back. It shows all the the cover galleries and order of appearance, but it doesn't have the specialty 
uh, cover that the Iron Lion commissioned uh, that you can only get at their store. And that okay, one, rad. that one by far, is the superior one. But yeah, uh, we're we're we got to move more cosmic. We got Thanos number two. How'd you feel? You got it open um, in front of you. This one did not. You made a you had a huge excitement about this one. It didn't do so much for me personally, um, but at least it maintained the the uh, the contiguous aspects of the first issue in this in this run. Artist, writer, colorist. Huh? Artist, Sorry, writer, no. colorist. Oh, it's Tinny Howard. It's uh, Ariel Ovetti is the artist, who I haven't seen before, but I gotta say, I really, I really like this. Um, kind of skimps on backgrounds sometimes, um, but uh, when there is technology to be put in, it's at least interesting it's not you know kirby-esque but it's uh it's uh it's still there and it feels specific to thanos big spaceship sanctuary zero sanctuary i don't know what's the name of the space station uh antonio fabela this is all i'm gonna say things are colorful but there's this kind of muted aspect to it he's the colorist and um yes somehow or another It's like there's three colors chosen for each character or something like that. And then we're just going to stick to that. And that's interesting because, you know, you were talking about uh, Tim Sale. And that's something I always, like, maybe the whole book is like Spider-Man blue. It's all in hues of blue, uh, excepting in certain circumstances. And then, like, like the Sandman shirt being green or whatever. Uh, but like you look at Gamora, she's three colors. You look at Thanos, he's three colors. Uh, you look at, uh, Call of City, not Call of City, or Proxima Midnight or the Blood Brothers or something. They're their appropriate colors, but somehow they're in this muted world. And, uh, I don't know. That's pretty clever. I, it fascinates me. Um, and then, uh, you know, what, what didn't Carmine. you like about it? What didn't I like oh, about it? Oh, Carmagna again? Carmagna yeah, again. Yeah, I'm still going to talk about that again. Yeah, that's, can we get a, um, yeah, can we get a, get his, get, hey, yeah, get his number. All right, good. Um, I, it, you know, it just, I just read it as it was. It's kind of too much precocious, pain in the ass, tween age, Gamora, outwitting people who, she should be honestly horrified. She should be experiencing like a psychotic break. After everything that her whole family, her entire species, excepting like a handful of thousands who went away with. Uh... Actually, I got to reread that aspect of it. I can't remember whether or not there are any left in the Magus army, but um, you know, there's I mean, a there's, uh, there's the, no reason why she should be so badass. She's there's she's, a uh, she's not Ray, okay? N- right, yeah, she's not Ray, but there's an old school uh uh concept in literature that came from old actual instances in, in uh, human existence, it's called displacement. And to put it in perspective, um, if you were riding a train for the first time, people would often faint, vomit, mm-hmm. uh, go into hallucinations because the human yeah. being had never traveled at that speed of uh, that speed before. 
And in regards right. to what you in regards to what you said, all of a sudden she's experiencing a her entire planet being massacred, b her family being murdered in front of her, c seeing the entity of death, d experiencing interstellar travel, and and uh, e being locked up and and being uh, deprived of food, and not knowing if she's gonna die, which you know should be the next one. And she's just fine. You're right about that. I, 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 I just took it, you know, at face value. That's that's a good point. I, see, that's the difference, though. And I'm I'm sorry, I gotta go go there. But I made a quip about <clears throat> Ray from Star Wars, and it's a big difference. If Ray had shown up being an outrageous badass from the outset, and then we learned her idiotic backstory from the beginning. I could accept, oh, she's the Black Widow, you know? Right, right. The Black right. Widow's the Black Widow. Gamora is Gamora. She's the she's the Ronda Rousey of the galaxy, but honestly, realistically astonishing. Um, Agreed. She is the baddest woman in the universe, basically. The most dangerous woman in the universe. And uh, it's impressive. Like, I want to see her grow into that person, but... Which, because it's just, it's frustrating. The, the the Gamora we have in Guardians right now is a very appropriate Gamora. The Gamora from Annihilation is very appropriate. Who lets her guard down just for, just for Richard Ryder, you know? It's Agreed. like, no, oh, okay, you like a guy. That's all right, you know, you, you're hot. I can see a guy being charming enough to get you at one point or another. Or, you know, the Gamora of... The movies are pretty is pretty reasonable, but simultaneously a little bit over emotional. And uh, it 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 she lose you know the, these people who are super badasses lose their awesomeness over time. Somehow or another, Wolverine is the only one who never completely loses his edge. Yeah, he fell in love. He deserves it. He fell in love like six or eight times. Silver Fox, uh, you know. Mariko, Mar- Mar- Mariko, uh, uh, you know, Jean Grey, whatever. He's he's a lover. He's he's the Highlander. Okay, like, look at these characters and tell me what you know. Do we really need to demystify Gamora with this story? No, unfortunately, I feel like this is a cash grab because it's Gamora just got killed in. The Avengers, and then now we have a Gamora that never died from another reality that, you know, or another time or whatever, and it's like, <clears throat> okay, she never got killed, and now we can relaunch the concept of whether or not she and Star-Lord are going to get together. Because, honestly, it felt a little forced that she was in love with him in uh, in Infinity War anyways. But, like, so in this, it's just like, please, let's... Don't... Do, you know, if you're going to go back and you're going to do Wolverine Origin... And somehow that really worked. Yeah, it took a little of the mystery away, but it didn't make him any less badass. It, in fact, increased the story a lot. And, I'm and, hoping that this does the same thing, but Gamora's hot property right now. Thanos is hot property. He's in every freaking story right now and, and his own book, and it's just like, okay. But I'm glad to see the freaking Blood Brothers are back because they are... They are their their first appearance was with Thanos in Iron Man. As a quick footnote, so, 
as a quick footnote, he's yeah. w- talking about Wolverine origin, not Wolverine origins written by Daniel Way. That's completely different. And that was when we're talking about it was Joe Quesada, right? Uh, Quesada. Yeah. Quesada was the one that yep. did origin and, um, origins was written by Daniel Way. Um, Steve Dillon drawing it, not talking about that. That was quintessential Wolverine reading that it didn't, take away from the mystery of Wolverine and only built built it and created more great Wolvie stories uh, just for our readers that might have gotten turned off by that quick little uh, suggestion there. And I got to intervene here and tell you <laughs> that I loved this issue until you told me why you didn't like it and you completely switched my brain on that. There's I've got one tiny little bit of morsel. No, of, hit me. I want to know of, why you liked it so much before I shut it down. Establishing trust. All right establishing trust and but at the same time though the like the the point of beginning of him taking gamora to his his uh, what did he call it his space uh station it's Zero this sanctuary yeah, this this station. this is our destination we're not going anywhere we'll figure a place to go later but this is the destination uh yeah. everything up until that point was I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I read that like in like two minutes. It was he just breezed through it, and then I got to where um, what's his name, uh, 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 Corvus, um, Corvus. No, uh, yeah, Hello, when he's you. yeah when he's teasing her with the food. Ebony Maw. It was Ebony Maw. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Ebony Maw. Yeah, it was Ebony Maw. Stabs. She stabs his ass. Tricks him. Takes the keys, and he's playing it cool. You know, I don't worry about it. We'll track her down. Thanos ain't going to be mad. And, like, that was hilarious to me. And uh, everyone's like, dude, we've got some serious problems here. We're, we're in trouble. He's murdering us one by one. And uh, I don't worry mm-hmm. about it. We'll, we'll find her. She's probably going to end up by the mess hall. It'll be fine. And But the establishment of trust between uh, Gamora and Thanos was the meat and potatoes to me on that one. And I, I love oh. the fact that he didn't. At first, his only interest in her was that she saw death. He saw her for one second. She saw him for longer, so he's pissed about that and wants to know how she did it. And when um, – who was it that tuned into his head? We were talking about him earlier. Um, the Magus. The uh, Magus tunes in and so you, you get that psychic pain. Uh, I know this. I know you feel pain, you know. And and I, I like the fact when he made everyone try to be accountable and, you know, he just – you know, she murders someone. Like, fine. Like, that's great. Yeah, one of you had to die. Like, this is how this is what how this mob works. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that little yeah. bit. But at the same time, the the starting point to get from point A to point B, the what they were really trying to get a point uh, across. Yeah, that was kind of weak. That scaffolding was was a hard bridge across. Now, now that I you will say, say it, though. The pissing contest that's going on between the Magus and uh, and uh, Thanos is pretty interesting. I mean, I love right it. now, Thanos is an upstart. He's got his own motivations, and the Magus doesn't even know what he's dealing with. And Thanos doesn't know what he's dealing with. And it's just, it's interesting that it's like, Thanos is beneath the Magus? That's crazy town right there. Maybe at the very least we'll finally understand the relationship between Thanos and Adam Warlock at the end of this story. And it doesn't even take Jim Starlin to write this, you know, who is the quintessential Thanos writer. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm willing to let a lot of guys do this. 
And I think this, I mean, I'm, I'm in for the ride one way or the other. I'm going to read Thanos. All right. Spidey, life story number four, the 90s. Let's hear it. Um, This is losing its edge for sure. I, oh, I mean, that second terribly. Issue, this is second issue just rocked my ass so hard. It was unbelievable. Uh, there's another beautiful, beautiful Legion ad in here, by the way. Um, writer, Chip Zdarsky, penciler, Mark Bagley, anchor, Andrew Hennessy, uh, color artist, Frank DeMarta, and, uh, letter VCs, Travis Lanham. Um, this is a really attractive book, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like you go and you look at, look at art and Mark Bagley is, read my, you read my mind. The, the, yeah, he is doing something different than he usually does here. Agreed, especially if you compare it to like Ultimate Spidey. This is this is like really muted, and I really think that the color artist ruined this book. It looks really. It, it really looks like one of those X Men books after a huge event story, and they've got all these badass writers, artists, colors, inkists like kicking ass on it, and then they've got someone that does their best that is like an F-lister on this one. And I think the colorist ruined this book, considering what you can do with digital art, which you can tell it's digital. But at the same time, though, like it, if you can do these things that are easy to uh, fake shortcuts, it, it looks like a shitty X-Men after a big event story before something bigger starts and they get the big boys back on it. And huh. I, I was surprised. Like, I remember, like, who did the, I was, like, four pages of this. Who did this art again? And I go back, and I'm like, Bagley? No fucking way. And and the, the 90s Spidey suit was just shit with the extra padding. And, it, like, is, is that, like, is that, like, a 90s, like, trope or something quintessential that they did with I extra padding? So. Instead of, like, you know, like, when, the, when like, uh, DC started doing their movies and they just added extra lines and textures. and But this was just extra padding. And I did not enjoy this uh, issue. It, it 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 seemed rushed. Um, the panels are big, and there's shots where, you know, Doc Ock is knocking like three cars out of the way, and I'm like, it it barely looks like a scribble. And <laughs> all right, Tony Stark being a dickhead, and then the the whole flip like let's flip the book because that's what we have to do right and you know they, they find old norman and and then instead of getting you know impaled by the glider uh, uh, this is the big one i'm coming <laughs> like uh that just happened and we've got ben riley and they, they bring in the clone saga and as soon as they started the clone as soon as we saw ben riley it was like oh shit colin's gonna fucking shit like nah man i knew this was coming i mean you look at the cover, and the cover was promoted for weeks ahead of time, and it's not a reflection. It's two completely different Spideys when you look at it. So it's obvious it was going to be a clone saga. And really, unfortunately, there's no bigger Spider-Man story in the 90s than the clone saga because you were going to freaking eat that clone saga whether you wanted it or not. You're Roman a vegetarian, Reigns. you're going to eat Roman the, Reigns. the clone saga. 
You're going to like Roman, Roman Reigns. Reigns. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like Roman Reigns, and you're going to like liking it. <laughs> like yeah, you're this, forget. The Clone Saga was the Star Trek Voyager of Spider-Man stories. You're going to like it because this is what we've got. And uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish that, yeah, your, your, your concern about the costume, if we'd ever seen the costume do anything differently... Like, he's got a freaking amazing company that's in competition with Stark. Like, his costume should be showing us something that, like, okay, Dr. Octopus Arms can't get a grip on it, or it's got fallproofing, or I don't know what, you know? I just, it should have some kind of super tech aspect of it that could, like, maybe it's got a modem. I don't know. It's the 90s. Uh, yeah, maybe it's got a CD <laughs> player and it plays, I don't know, four non blondes or some shit. So, I mean, gross. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. If you get that uh, fucking song stuck in my head, I will drive to Oklahoma and beat your ass. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Carry on. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you expect us to believe that fucking Harry Osborne would live from the 60s to the 90s? Fucking forget about it. There's no oh, yeah, fucking way. That was rough, too. There's no way he would have lived that. At least, Ugh. at least, Harry died in an in an octopus-related incident, just like what happened in, what was it, Spectacular number 200, where he goes out as the goblin and gets killed, and that was that. No, you know? he, but he Harry, kind of died like a hero. Harry would have died the way all the other assholes like him that were in his teenage years in the early 60s would have died. In a over-drinking frat party accident, avoiding the Vietnam War while his dad, daddy protected him from going over. It could have been, man. And I mean, in the end, I don't see how Dr. Octopus is still rolling around. And they, uh, they, they, they just glance at like, yeah, I just happen to be dating uh, May. That didn't happen until the 2000s. Like, if, no, if it was that was in Spectacular Spider-Man in the very late 80s or the early 90s. I swear it was in the 2000s, but I might have been like get, been catching up with some uh, fucking um, trade paperbacks I got at like flea markets and stuff. But I don't remember it being that early. I just remember early. it was Sal Basema art that I was not super enthused about. Oh, then his, 80s. His art is different. His art Absol- changes. Absolutely 80s then. Yeah. Because mm. uh, I remember looking at it and being like, I don't want to buy this because it's unattractive and I feel like I'm going to miss part of the story and it's like I've got Spectacular, I've got Amazing, I've got uh, uh, Marvel Tales featuring, I don't know which Spider-Man to get right now. What's the, what's the real through line? And then someone said, if you want the, if you want the Peter Parker story, you get Spider-Man. If you want Spider-Man, you get amazing. Oh, there was web. There was web of Spider-Man also. And, and, uh, yeah, I just remember looking at it. I mean, like ultimately what it could, and not to mention ultimate, but that starts in 2000. Uh, what it comes down to is when we're talking about the art, I feel like, I just recently reread the first, I don't know, 10 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man with my son to my son before bed for a whole week, every night. And he was really loving it. And he's looking at that Mark Bagley artwork and I'm looking at it and I'm going, it's amazing because I can walk around and I'll be like, that is a Mark Bagley Spider-Man on your t-shirt there, kid. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I know, you don't have to know, I know. And um, you used to see that all of the time. But they were trying to fill issues back then in, what, 24, 26 pages or something? 
This is a $5 book, $4.99, and there are a lot of pages here. I don't know. I didn't count them, but what it comes down to is that there is a lot of story content. So trying to jam Mark Bagley into a bunch of tiny frames and some bigger frames. Good point. Perfect maybe point. Maybe the best thing to do. I'm not going to say he didn't pull it off. I think it worked. But there's it, some. Cl- there's a lot of clutter in it a lot worked, of spaces. It worked enough. I think the redeeming factor was Parker catching the glider from stabbing him in the heart and that was crushing rad. it. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty good, but... How do you expect me to enjoy that after uh, Parker tells him that Harry's dead and the 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 octopus killed him and and Norman starts crying, falls to a knee. There's no reality, no dimensional rift, no extra dimensional anything or, or alternate timeline that that fucking Norman Osborn would give two fucking shits that Harry was dead. Yeah, maybe. I mean, He's if, if Harry always had been, been the goblin weak. for a while, I could see it. But maybe, you know, you're right. That Harry, the Harry we looked at in this story, definitely not. He was a milk toast sop. He was a he was a wet shirt. Uh, it's just yeah, you're right. You're right. That that Norman has no business loving Harry, other than the appropriate business of being a dad. Uh, but uh, I thought that the story went, it finally, finally really picked up when, uh, when he crushed that glider. Because Peter, even being 50, was like, there's nothing you can do to me. Nothing. You're an old man. Your remote controls, your bombs, there's nothing in here that you can do anything to me with. And I'm not even wearing my costume. I am Peter Parker and I'm here and I'm defeating you. And uh, that's that. And then he goes away. I just and then let's, you know, go on to mention Ben Riley taking over for Peter. What does that mean? Well, that's going to be a very interesting next issue, you know? I, I think that's going to be the, the segue because Ben Riley's obviously going to dissolve into nothing. And Parker's going to have maybe 10 years or five years or maybe even a year of, of peace when he obviously reunites with uh, Mary Jane. She invites him back into his own goddamn home that she is probably not paying for. And, uh, Oh, he, not with his gigantic, you know, conglomerate. I hate, I hate that shit, man. I fucking hate that shit, man. Like fucking work on your own, man. Like I can't tell you how many fucking girls are she's always, mom. Yeah, but she's, she's a at home mom. Those yeah, but no yeah, more than six. Yeah, but you're a single dad and you work your ass off. How many fucking people are trying to have, have tried to hitch their fucking wagon to you so they don't have to work? Yeah, I don't know what to say um, about that. That's way too personal. But uh, shit, the, I'm uh, just gonna say it. It pisses me off. I had a lot of fucking people try to fucking hitch their wagon to me, and I said no. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. Like I I wonder like I. I want to know more about why I, I get it. Like he's got his company. He's got to be Spider-Man. Like it's the same thing when it, the, the, the parallels here are going back to the first Marvel civil war, Tony Stark coming to Peter and saying, look, we know you're Spider-Man. We know you're Peter Parker. You're not doing the world any decent justice. You know, you, you're a genius. You invented web shooters. You did all this stuff. Why are you just punching thugs in the street? You know, you need to be doing more. I dig that Peter is doing more in the comics now. 
And I dig that uh, he's doing more in this book, whether or not Reed Richards is still around. In fact, we don't know anything about what happened to Reed Richards once Peter's got his own company. But Tony being a dick, I just I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. But all those years in Vietnam, I could see that stacking up against his personality. In the end, I was like, is the 2000s going to be Civil War? And are these old guys going to fight each other? And Captain America will still probably be youngish because of the infinity aspect of the super soldier serum. I'm interested to see what that is. Cause I thought to myself, what could they possibly do? You've got the secret invasion. You've got dark Avengers, all kinds of stuff could happen. What what can these guys do while they're 60 and will Ben go and get killed? And then will Peter take up the mantle again and save the day? Will his kids have spider powers and be teenage and will, um, uh, what was the other aspect? Oh, I totally lost it. I hate it when that happens. You're fine. We got to switch gears. We got to go to some yeah, indie comics. Yeah, we got to roll into something different. Sorry, what? I want to talk about Sonata. Issue oh, number, yeah, sure. Issue number one, Image Comics Presents for Anomaly Productions, uh, Shadowline Production. Uh, Kirkman's, that's his, uh, you know, his top cow, his McFarlane Productions within uh, Image. Uh, story by David Hine and Brian Haberlin. David, David Hine, I love this guy. Yeah. He did a bunch of issues of Spawn before uh, Al Simmons came back. He did uh, Dark Angel. He has done – what else has he done? I'm going through his repertoire right here. and just Oh, he did an issue of Elephant Men that will stop you dead in your tracks. If you guys cool. – uh, if you guys have never read Elephant Men and you like Total Recall or Aliens or anything sci-fi, this was the comic, the sci-fi comic with Elephant Men. Um, but Sonata is okay. So two planets, every X amount of years, they come within proximity of each other. And one planet, which is hurting for resources is able to use their limited technology to get themselves from point A to point B, but it's a, it's a one way trip. And we're, we're focusing on a small girl who is learning to be a pilot and she's got kind of like a, uh, Griffin esque, uh, dragon-like creature that she flies. And as the, their technology is advancing on the new planet to evolve their species because resources are running out on the other planet that they're trying to immigrate from, um, her dad is the chief engineer. And as she is trying to make things right and you know try to show her stuff, they reveal that the water sources have the depleted the the river stopped running and they see that this other colony that is within the same proximity well not the same proximity but still immigrates to this planet have dammed off the water and both of them think the other group is more advanced or they might have better technology but we can't show it yet and her her group of people they're pacifists they 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 do not want war they want peace they're there to flourish they're there to do their best. There's a native, there's a native group of people there that the other group thinks are savages. And these people have damned the water off and they go to meet up with them and they like, yeah, you guys are assholes. We don't fucking care what you think. Like you're not going to get into this water. Like you, you, your very presence here is pissing us off. And as 
the story progresses. They're like, well, we got to do what we got to do. We're going to blow a small hole in the dam because if we're not careful, the whole damn thing will, you know, blow up and it's going to flood all the natives land. And that's exactly what happens. And as the emissary for the natives is helping her tell the rest of the natives that this is happening, don't worry. It's going to be a controlled explosion. Don't worry about it. And, uh, of course the whole place blows up and the place gets washed out and he takes her underground and they find, she finds the first, uh, hindrance of, uh, native technology and actual civilization that they've ever found. And again, it's called Sonata. Uh, I haven't really, yeah, yeah, we always forget to say spoiler, but if you listening, you know, (laughs) story by David Hine and Brian Haberlin art by Brian Haberlin. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, he was working on spawn with him. Brian Haberlin. Give me a second. Uh, Colors by Gerard Van Dyke. Letters by Francis Takanaga. Lead developer, David Pence. Production, uh, always really intrigued by production. Uh, Diana Sanson and Hannah Wall. Let's see, art of Brian Haberlin, Wikipedia. I know he's done Spawn. Or I'm just an idiot. Vampirella, Witchblade, She, Sinriyaku. Oh, that's where I remembered him from. She, oh, Sinri- she yep. From She, Sinriyaku. That, oh, God, I still have that. Uh, yep, Spawn, Godslayer, Spawn Manga, Spawn, co-written David Hine. Yep, 2000s. He, they were the ones that were manning the helm with Spawn before McFarlane took it over and brought Simmons back in, 80, in 185. And Simmons blew his head off in, in, the, neg- in the, not negative zone, the this odd little part of the alley where no demon or angel could have any power. Um, real quick. There's a couple things I just want to glance by. Let's see. Amazing Spider-Man number 23 epilogue issue. Uh, yeah, hit that. I didn't get to read that. I picked it up, but I didn't get to read it yet, mm. but do it. Nick Spencer, writer, Ryan Otley, penciler, Cliff Rathburn, inker, Nathan Fairborn, color artist, species, Joe Carmaga, we need to call that guy. Hey Siri, Joe re- yeah. Hey, hey Siri, remind me to call Joe Caramanga. Okay. Oh <laughs> Siri, you dumb bitch. Um. Okay, so Craven's dead. Uh, his son is realizes he's gonna he's forced to take over the head of Craven as the hunter because he really is not really a son; he's just a clone. All the. Uh, Bad guys that were in Central Park have to fight their way out amongst the uh, the police. The Savage Six reforms. Uh, Tasky saves uh, the ant. And Spidey is so concerned about MJ. Gets home. There's blood everywhere. She got scared, punched through a window. and But at the same time, the real meat and potatoes of this was that small centipede. And the centipede, you know, the one that has been unnamed yet, but they hint that it is someone that Parker knows from his past. And we don't know what's going to happen. And he or she says, as the centipede scurries out the broken glass of the window, you see, I don't want to hurt her. I told you I'd protect her and I meant it. I'm trying to protect her from the greatest threat she faces after all. You. It's always you, Pete. When she dies, it will be because of you, just like all the others. And then we'll finally be alone together just a little bit of meat and potatoes there just uh 
little bit of hint that. What do you think it is? Uh, dude, uh, God, I, I don't know. My, my first stupid thought was, oh, it's Gwen Stacy. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really care. I, I want to be surprised. And um, yeah. let's see what else they got for indies here, man. Um, Event Leviathan. Let's let me pull that motherfucker. Dude, up. tell me about it. I'm excited because I didn't realize that was happening, and that's Bendis and Maleev. Bendis Maleev. This one wasn't that good. It's 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 supposed to be a Bendis Maleev. Like they're they're telling it Scarlet style, where they like deprive you oh. of, of most details. And Batman. And they leave you hanging for like yep, five years. Yep. It's uh, Brian Michael Bendis script. Alex Maleev art and cover. Joshua Reed letters. Letters. Letter. Letters. Kenneth mm-hmm. Rocafort variant cover. Jessica Chen associate editor. Mike Cotton editor. Brian Cunningham group editor. Bendis Maleev. Okay, so they focus in, and this is a lot of digital work, and I think they oversaturate the the darks. Because there's a lot of times I had to squint my eyes to figure out what the hell was going on. Batman and Lois Lane are investigating the destruction of a giant building. No one knows what it was for, but all the other secret entities and secret governments have been destroyed by something called the Leviathan. And Batman thinks that it's got to do something with Talia Oh, okay. They find one lone survivor, and he was somehow, you know, protected during the the destruction of all these secret secret government entities and uh the question shows up in the darkness just randomly green arrow shows up and fucks this guy up that was supposed uh, to be survived with a, a taser arrow and they're just questioning everything that's going on and then there's a mystical entity at the end that reveals himself to be the leviathan to someone that should have died or they showed died earlier while the guy was encapsulated in this protective force and it was boring. <laughs> it was it was a slow start to a Roman candle that I don't think is going to go off. Gotcha, gotcha. That's I the, will flip through it somewhere. To the look art, at that the art is tasty, believe work, but the art is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And I have a serious issue with something about. Uh, one of the other comics I really was excited to talk about was the fact that this comic book did not have a title page that listed the creators. Really? Really. Where did you come by that information? Was it on the cover? Glow number two. Oh, Glow didn't have it. I thought you were saying event. No, 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 no. Glow, Glow didn't have it. I mean, I can tell you who the, the creators are. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. Glow comic book. Hmm. Right. Oh, oh, this was... Um, The artwork is really whim- not whimsical. It's really simplistic, but it's not. that doesn't mean simple. Simple is bad. Simplistic is glorious in a simple point of view that they get their point across and they do a really good job. It's not it's not a shitload of uh shadowing and layers. Uh the artwork I love. It it it, it makes me feel happy to watch like a Saturday morning cartoon. But mm-hmm. it gets its point across with the girls from Glow. They do not re- disrespect the two seasons of Glow which I have watched probably four times each. Yeah, those are uh a great sh- those those shows are fantastic. 
And the girls have shown up to a show where they're supposed to do an exhibition match as the members of GLOW, but find out that they are being pitted against (laughs) some way bigger girls and much more experienced women, and they're doing their best to hold their own. And they're not winning. I really don't want to ruin it. Like this was this was a lot of fun, good dialogue. It was funny. The expressions were great. Yeah, like yeah. You, you can tell that the artists did everything they could to, you know, make everything as like when you see Clunin all of a sudden like go from like heavy inks to like all of a sudden like that that anime style, like the smile on the face and the piece of cake in the mind. <laughs> that that sort of thing. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, they, they but it goes a little bit further than that. I mean, including just you know, you know, peppers or stuff with that. But I'm looking up the goddamn art. I was so pissed off. It didn't have a damn. It didn't. It had their names on the, just their last names on the front. Tell me why you like Glow. Why you look this up? Why do I like it? I haven't been reading it, uh, but uh, I love the TV series. Um, I mean, you. From the first episode, you're watching this concept of a bunch of broke people. It's just, it's that classic story of people who have an idea that they probably, you know, most of them don't know if it would even work, but they're, you know, what, they don't have anything else better to do. And it's a long, it's just, it's a super duper long shot for some people. It's, it's a struggle. Everybody, yeah, the struggle is so completely obvious there. Everybody has their own struggle. But when they see the slightest, like, growth in it, they all are completely behind it. But they're so weird. It's like, what are the motivations for any of these people to be doing anything? Alison Bree's character, I don't remember, I mean, she... I can't remember a lot of the characters' I, names right now. I, I find it to be that their motivation was they just wanted to be part of a family. I think that was that's it, and they're trying to keep the family mm. together, especially as a bunch of failed actors and actresses that know that once the show's over, you're never going to see each other again. You might text each other, well, nowadays, but back in the 80s, yeah, they're never going to probably ever see each other again or bump into each other. Maybe once, oh, my God, we should get back together. I miss you so much. It's and then, so hard to stay in contact with people back then, you know, when you didn't have the yeah. Internet. And but, uh, it's interesting because I watched the Glow documentary about the actual glamorous ladies of that, that broke my heart. Yeah, and those ladies, a lot of them, like, live together. they just like, no, this is the most amazing thing that I ever did. And uh, and I can't I can't get away from this person. This is my this is my person. You know, it's not romantic. It's just that's how it is. We right, can't well, live without one another. I got the names creators: Teeny Howard, author. Oh, really? And the true star, Hannah Templer. Uh, I, I follow her on Facebook. This woman is loud and proud, and she is a beautiful, gorgeous gay woman, and she does not hold back. And I can say that because that's what she says on her Instagram, and I'm I'm proud of her. Like, her, her artwork, she just belts artwork. She just keeps making it, making it, making it. Content is king, just making it. I'm doing a comic book. I'm doing it over here. I'm doing – I'm proud, and, and it, it's not one of those, fuck you, I'm gay, deal with it. It's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those. 
I feel strong enough to to tell my story or at least say that I'm I'm the least loud and proud. I mean, she's not like posting like making out with chicks and and you know doing that stupid high school shit. She's just proud, and I absolutely adore her artwork. And uh, Rebecca Nalty is the colorist on this, and adds that really fun like. Um, the pastel type color palette that when you're watching like Sailor Moon back in like, you know, 94. Yeah. And the story is progressing very well. It's, it's showing the struggle of these women that, I mean, like remember in series two in this, well, the second season, it's all about whether or not they can, you know, when they face off against Chavo, they can do against the guys and they kick ass and, and it, it, it really showed them being equal and even superior in some some aspects. But this time they're going they're going up against a bunch of girls that are fighting in actually professional leagues that are, are not like televised and and they're they're territory chicks. And oh, the, cool. and and these girls think, oh, those those cute girls on TV that do all the drama shit and uh they they have no respect for them. And um Zoya is doing her best, you know, to try to bridge the gap and it ends in a, in the beginning of what's going to be, which I hope to kick ass bar brawl before they actually have to do their shows. And I really want to get Hannah Templer on, on the show because I think she's got a voice and I want to show all our readers what she has to say. Her artwork, let alone, um, I hope I didn't read too much into it that, you know, I hate to find out she was just, you know, something that just accidentally happened, but I, I 99 point number sure she's not, I would love to get her on the show to talk about glow and how she got into wrestling. I mean, there's no way she's not into wrestling because they introduced some luchadors, luchadoras in this one. And yeah. it's, it's a fun story and the paper quality is mm, great. Just, just it, n- no thumbprints like earlier, like you're talking about. Um, I hate when I pick up a comic book and I feel like I should have worn gloves that, like that sticky, <laughs> that sticky feeling, yeah. and uh, I'm trying to make sure I burn through the indies fast because we've got we spent like an hour on cosmic cosmic Marvel. Um, oh no, dude! I can clearly go on and on. We did Event Leviathan, Sonata. Uh, last but not least, before we do the Walking Dead minutes, we're gonna talk about the ride. Right on. A <clears throat> uh, woman in an obvious furry costume. Holding a big ass blade. Oh, like the, the, like this one blew me away. This one, all right. So for our listeners that understand cinema, did you ever see the movie Drive? Oh God, yes, dude. That movie changed my life. This, like, the last synth wave, synth wave, everything. This, oh, that this yeah. this book gave me the same goosebumps that Drive did. No way. Absolute way. Like, no bullshit, no exaggeration. Story by Doug Wagner, art by Daniel Hilliard and Adam Hughes. Color by Laura Martin and Adam Hughes. Letters by uh, Ed Duckshire. Um, chick's a ex-cop. We're talking beautiful. I mean, if, if you are an artist and had to struggle through perspective class... You're going to look at some of these pages and be like, what the fuck? I wouldn't even bothered. <laughs> like, 
there's no way we're talking this giant strip club room and the the forms the shapes i mean this was probably two days of rulers and perspective and i had to erase that line that took me forever because it's like point zero 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 one thing away to make it that's making it look wrong and this ex-cop spent 15 years in jail you don't know what she really did but you know she pissed off the wrong people and righted the wrong rights but still went to jail and Mm -hmm. fight breaks out she sees these assholes come in one of these guys has a gun while one of her friends who shows up all fucked up, one of the strippers, shows up with her deaf daughter and she asks her to take care of her. And she's like, I don't know anything about kids. And she's talking to the kid and the bartender's like, bitch, she's deaf. <laughs> and I don't know, silently, she can read lips, just just pay attention to her. And she sees the gun in the guy's back pocket and there's a little bit of an altercation and as the altercation goes on the bartender's telling her friend like there's a reason why this girl survived that many years in prison that she went through a million fights but she ended them all and she gets locked up and the cops that are interviewing her were her ex-friends and she wasn't just a cop she was a detective the youngest detective in that precinct and her ex-commissioner is grilling her like, hey, you fuck up. Like, I'll, we'll destroy you. I didn't do anything. Like, I was the bouncer, and she's checking out. Her mentor, uh, his daughter, is waiting outside. Hey, I've been trying to get fu- get a hold of you for a while. And uh, I found you now, and uh, this was my dad's car. It's as is, but there's some stuff in there I didn't touch. As is, here's the keys. It was just cramping up my garage, and they just pan out to this gorgeous, gorgeous Challenger. <laughs> just gorgeous. I mean, we're talking like, I mean, they, they, they put some aspects of some of the newer aspects of the Challenger. It's got a little bit of the same frame, but it's still got that sexy, like, muscle car vibe that's mm-hmm. not like, uh, like, if you see a newer Challenger, and, like, it, it still looks great, but it's still not old muscle car, but it's still big. But you can tell that's what's going on. And then it goes into this next story called Sparkles. And the front, the cover, is a woman in a furry costume that had nothing to do with the the, the main story. Sparkles. Story by Doug Wagner. Adam Hughes, Art and Color. Ed Dukeshire. Letters. Uh, cops show up. This is you can tell this guy's a, a, a child of uh, Dodson. That's how good the that's how good the girls are. Cops show up, let us in. We know she's there. They kick the door in. This chick wakes up in a shed full of uh, BDSM toys, and the door's locked. There's a lot of sharp instruments and big floppy things, and she's buck naked. And I gotta say, that was one of the sexiest illustrated big tit fucking chicks ever and she's covering up and they're about to come in because their 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 friends are outside and they're about to have a good time because they've got a hot chick in the inside there and she puts on a costume opens the door with a corkscrew and a machete well it looks like a half machete like both sides murders all these guys dresses a furry and her sister comes out of the trailer next door and they're loading the dead bodies into the 
patrol car. Hey, I'm never coming back, and don't ever tell your kids that uh, their auntie was the unicorn. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Wow. It was wow. great. It was great. It was so much fun. Um, the panels flowed so well. Like, it was one of those ones where I... Uh, it was one of those things where I was at work reading this in between calls and I look over at the clock and I'm like, did 30 minutes just go by? And I spent that many minutes on a comic book that had very little panels, but dense, dense conversation that I was just so engulfed in enjoying every little bit when your eyes are darting back and forth, not because they don't know where to go but because they just want to just encapsulate everything. I am calling the ride burning desire Number one of five, my comic book of the, <laughs> of the week. That one made me very happy. And I'm sorry I've been talking so long, man, but we got to do the Walking Dead minute. That's all right. <clears throat> okay. The Walking Dead minute. Difficult to do. Uh, typically. Going to turn video on. You must also turn video on. I will turn my video on. I will prepare a timer. Uh, zero minutes and 60 seconds. Tell me when to go. Are you ready? I am ready. Go. Walking Dead, 192, Aftermath. Uh, Carl goes, wakes dad up, finds him dead as a zombie. Doesn't hesitate, kills the zombie. Collapses, realizes his dad is dead, and he just killed the zombie. Also, they realize that it was the uh, governor's son that did it, and the governor tries to take control again and locks him up, said, we're not going to kill him, and they're like, yeah, we don't want him dead either. Carl goes and visits him in jail and says, listen, I want you here, and he starts blabbing on about, like, I'm sorry, and it's not about you. I want to watch you, you know, suffer, and if you ever get out, I'll kill you. And then as they're going to the big funeral that everyone is showing up from every land there, that Rick is dead and they're going to be there to uh, mourn him. And then Carl falls off the, the wagon, says, I can't do it, and starts crying. And we've got 13, 12, 11, Did you do it? 10. You did it. You did it in less than a minute. Yeah, it was it was that stupid. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it was that stupid. And you killed Rick. All right, so did you do it because it was a cash grab? Because he's quote-unquote dead? Because Andrew Lincoln wants to go spend time with his family and they're probably going to bring him back? I don't know. I don't give a shit. I, I sold a <coughs> shitload of my Walking Dead comic books a couple weeks ago, and I do not miss them. I'm, you, Yeah, you should talk about that for a second. How many of us... I sold my Walking Dead comics for an undisclosed but pretty giant sum... When uh, the show was peaking, right after Negan came on board, and we've apparently seen a decrease in the market for them ever since. And uh, I sold fifty of them for three hundred and fifty dollars. That's pretty good. I mean, hey, that's that's money. Didn't even care. That's part of rent, right there. That I was part of rent. Almost, almost buying. A page from the second issue of Walking Dead from Robert Kirkman at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm sorry, Charlie Aldred. Uh, in 2006 or seven, And it was, and that's how much it cost. It was 350 bucks, one page. And uh, that page 
would be astronomical now if I'd bought it. But that was half a month's rent for me there. And I was like, I can't do that, you know? It was really rough. I was already at San Diego. I was already spending 20 bucks on getting a brand new issue of uh, G.I. Joe number one for Larry Hammett to sign. And that was a huge deal to me. And I consequently don't think I could ever possibly get rid of that. But I did sell all my Walking Dead comics, you know? Set a timer again for a minute because I want to talk about the Batman Who Laughs, number six of seven. Seriously, set a timer for a minute. I have an audio problem, but uh, so I'm going to turn off the... I'm setting a timer. Set the timer. I'm going to let you know. Set the timer. Timer is set. Batman Who Laughs, number six. Scott Snyder, writer, jock artist, David Baron colors, Sal Cipriano letters, jock cover, Jenny Frizen variant cover, J.D. Cooper, I don't care. This was unintelligible Batman bullshit. Batman is about to be completely engulfed by the Batman Who Laughs serum, and there's going to be a huge uh, on-wave crapping everyone in Gotham, and Batman brings a Bruce Wayne from another dimension that is like eight years old and the Batman that laughs is constantly talking and he's talking in unintelligible font where they, they accent one letter and you think that was going to piece like some bigger puzzle together. I I don't get it and I don't care to. And, uh, Batman finally is turning into the Batman that laughs the, like another clone of him. And, uh, he takes the little bit of blood while he's turning into the Batman that laughs from the Batman that laughs and that's going to be the happiest Batman ever, because that's the main theme of this. Who's, nope, that's it. <laughs> that was it. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Cash grab. I had a problem in the middle of it with a uh, uh, with an audio problem, but, you know. I got it on mine. If it's, if, it's not, if it's not the best thing in the world, I totally get it. No, no, you're running live and clear on yours. I'm running live and clear on mine, and we can always sync the waveforms. If I start fucking up on your end... I'm doing good on my end, yeah. so don't worry about it. Yeah. But that's that's all I got, and my head hurts because there was some shitty stuff and there was some good stuff, and I feel like I'm swimming, and and like I'll find a raft and then I'll be okay for an hour. Like when I was talking about ride, and and then all of a sudden I'm talking about the Batman that laughs number six, and I'm like, wow, that was really bad. Like someone just deflated my fucking floaties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, the only other thing I pulled this week was uh, the Black Cat number one, the new Black Cat book. Tell me about uh, that. And yeah, I mean, it is pretty entertaining, honestly. It is uh, Jed McKay and uh, Travel Foreman. What is that? Like, I've got to find the, the credits page deep in here because it's two stories. One of those Artist, white, white Travel people names. Foreman. Color artist, Brian Reber. Uh, and Ferran Delgado. This, every, I gotta say, the lettering was pretty interesting in this because it had the appeal of actual actually being hand-lettered. And uh, Nice. There was enough difference and changes and stuff like that to make it feel like it was hand-lettered. Um, you know, I mean, it's entertaining. It's an entertaining story. Uh, the black cat has gone to a soiree, and there are uh, there are uh, it's an art showing, and there are all of these guys that are working in private security who are keeping an eye on the place. And there's one dude who's 
hyped up that things are not going the right way uh, because it's his skin. He's he's in charge of this situation. One guy isn't taking things seriously and is just too 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 excited because Felicia Hardy, the black cat, is just too damn hot. And she is in there, and they're just like, wow, yeah. But the other guy is totally losing his mind because he's like, that's the black cat. She's here to steal something. And, uh, you know, of course she's stealing something. But uh, they, they kind of kick her out, and they get her in a chase, and um, she has stolen something. It's kind of entertaining, this, this security guy going after her and then her flirting at him and stuff like that. But uh, then the hand comes after them because that uh, she's stealing something from the network of criminal thieves, uh, like professional thieves, and she's in trouble for not having like paid them back or something. I don't really even know. In the end, it was like really just you know ninja pandemonium for a second. The thing that got me was the relationship that she had with a guy she didn't know that lasted for a minute, and it was still... That was the entertaining uh, aspect of it. But then her two guys that are working for her, who pull off the heist while she's being the high-profile thing to be paid attention to, these were the guys from Amazing Spider-Man 94 and 95 when she was introduced, who were right? her gang. No and shit. I was like, they brought back those two guys? That That's awesome. That's super rad. I was very excited about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just they're in their hideout in a little bit. They're having a drink and they're ta- they're enjoying themselves and they're, they're talking about what they're going to do next. And uh, her dad shows up. Her dad's supposed to be dead. Her dad was supposed to have died in peace at home because these two goons helped her break him out of jail versus Spider-Man way way back in the uh in the in the hundreds of issues and um so here he is he shows up at the end of it and it's like why is he alive uh yeah of course another freaking guy that's dead coming back for no good reason we'll see anyway there was a two-page issue um or a two-page uh story in here because this was also a vignette book uh with no dialogue just sound effects of black cat and some cats that she works with I didn't even realize it was there, actually. I, I encountered it when I picked up the book later. Uh, it's two pages, how, you know, and, let's, and it's, it's flanked by advertisements. So, so what? But the, the second story in here was a story about her dad when he was young as the black fox. He's the black fox. She was the black cat. And he is in Miami looking ultra swank playing Baccarat against freaking Dracula. And he and his gang are going to try to beat Dracula in a card game and then rob him. But then, uh, oh, I can't remember the dude's name, Bloodstone, the monster hunter, who uh, his daughter, Elsa Bloodstone, is part of the Next Wave crew and had a four-part mini in the early 2000s. I still can't find a couple issues of that Bloodstone. But uh, he shows up and tries to kill Dracula, and so there's a big throwdown and, uh, you know, the opportunity presents itself for the Black Fox to escape. Uh, Dracula's like, well, he stole our money, so I got to go get him. And he transmorphs into bats and is chasing them. Meanwhile, That's the Black Fox is having a conversation with his, his thugs. And uh, 
knows that they're being chased. And I, I'm like, is this going to carry on into issue two? Because it'd be worth reading. And it'd also be funny if Dracula's after the black cat for a while because of this. Uh, or even even if she'd found out that her dad once robbed Dracula and Dracula's like, no, I gotta go, I'm going to go get the black cat uh, as reparations or some... I don't know anything. Maybe it could have been a crazy amulet or something with magical powers that she somehow has or something like it. Just, you could do anything with this book, really. The black cat and her gang and, like, her having to deal with stuff that her dad did in, like, the 60s or the 50s or something. And you could do anything. Like, the the world is your burrito with this black cat book. I, I you know, especially if she doesn't get roped into a bunch of BS, like, crazy superhero type stuff. I thought it was, I thought that just the concept alone is worth it, you know? I don't know. What do you think? You didn't get to read it, but what do you think well, of that? Well, I'm interested about the fact that they brought Dracula into it, considering that they brought Dracula and Blade into the previous issues of Avengers before this War of the Realms or whatever the fuck is going on that I have had no interest in reading um, yep. going on. And then they, they go from that to War of the Realms. It was such a disjointed, like, transition, but... Okay, that sounds fun. I just the, the my my immediate turnoff the way when I like if I told you, hey, let's talk about the clone saga and how good it was, you'd be like, no, fuck you. I don't. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Nobody uh, says that. Nobody would ever utter that. Nobody says that. But I have the same feeling when I see a um, J. Scott Campbell cover. I'm like, great, another pinup from the '90s. Big tits. Same <laughs> same fucking face. Different clothes, and you say it's a different character because you get the mask on. It's the same fucking thing. This asshole lives in Denver, and I still got a big chip on my face. On my, on my, not my face. Yeah, my face. All over my face. Probably my mouth, too. Um, about how shitty he was to me at fucking Denver Comic Con. And I'm, and I, I was listening to my hero, you know, Y2J, Chris Jericho, my hero. Uh-huh. And and he was talking about meeting fans, and he was talking about, uh, I think it was Disco Inferno or someone, I can't remember who it was that told him this. Uh, always to be nice to your fans because uh, you know give them what they want because you might not remember it but they will remember it forever. And remember, oh we, yeah, re- remember we were in that crowd and I like jumped out of a line that was like one line going this way, one line going that way, like just to move. And all of a sudden I'm in front of J. Scott Campbell, and there was no one in front of him. It was just me, like. Inches away, and I'm like, oh, shit, hey, how you doing, man? And he's like, I'm fine. And I'm like, oh, I, I held my hand out to shake it, and he, like, awkwardly shook it, and he's like, there's a line over there. And I look over, and there's an awkward, tightly squished line going past this two, two-lane two uh, highway next to them. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't I, I didn't mean to I, – I just jumped out of this line. I didn't mean to interrupt you. And he's like, yeah, well, there's a line. And then I'm like, okay, so he's kind of pissed off. And then while you, it was like a couple hours later, you were. I don't remember that. You weren't wow. there. I, I that happened so fast. You were like four feet behind me in, in between that highway, and um, and I said, "Fuck that guy." And you're like, "What?" And then we get distracted. And then um, we were you were headed to get your commission from Jay Lee to get your name oh. on. To get your name right on. There, I'm looking at it now. To get your name on. And yeah. they were they were like six feet away from each other. Their their booths were like one highway away, but there was nothing in between them. And, and you're like, I'm gonna get my 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 commission. I'm like, cool, I'm gonna go meet Jay Jay Scott. And I wait in line, it was like 30 minutes, and I'm like two feet away from him. There's two people in front of me. 
And this old dude who was his dad was like, what are you doing? Oh, waiting to meet Jay Scott. And he's like, well, he's not signing anything you didn't buy today. And I had that Mary Jane cover that (laughs) I had that Mary Jane. And he's like, and he's not selling anything anymore. And I said, I just I should just go fuck myself then. Fuck you. (laughs) I I just said, fuck you. I wasn't even drunk. I was like, well, I should go fuck myself then. Fuck you and fuck you too. Like, and, and then he's like, didn't you see the sign? And then, and then there's a sign like awkwardly placed, uh, no longer signing, but he's fucking signing shit. There's four people in front of me and I'm like, okay, this is fucking stupid. And fuck you, J Scott Campbell and fuck your kids. Fuck your wife. Fuck your fucking artwork. Okay. Dial it back. <laughs> okay. Dial it back. All right. I, w- I was sue you or something. Yeah, but he disrespected me and he looked at me. I saw him look at me while his dad told me that shit. Like, yeah, listen, my dad I saw it in his eyes. I swear to fucking God, I saw it in his. Well, I don't believe in God, so fuck it. But yeah, sorry, I got a little carried away. But fuck him. Quite angsty, quite, quite angsty. I will always remember that J. Scott Campbell, and keep drawing your variant covers. You ain't shit. You don't write shit. You draw tits and ass, and you're good at perspective. Good for you. Glad you live in Denver. Yeah, with that story, uh, keeping in mind, uh, what was it, Lucifer's Halo? Talk about Lucifer's Halo. Lucifer's Halo. Did I read Lucifer's Halo? I don't remember telling you. Yes, that's what you were. That's what you were reading when I met you. Oh, Dawn. No, that's yeah, that's uh, that's Lindsner. Oh, you're trying to calm me down. Oh, God oh my you. God. Oh, my God. God. Oh, my God. This entire time I've been thinking of J. Michael Linsner because you've been telling me about J. Scott Campbell. Oh. I thought you were just trying to calm me down because you're a sweetheart. No. J. No, Scott. I totally. I'm no. trying, to, trying, to, trying to get the concept of like, you know, hey, there was still some good out of that, you know? There were still, but, there, uh, there's still redheads that were Campbell. popular in the 90s for drawing big titty chicks, but Linsner was the king. J. Scott Campbell, though, what what was it like? Uh, uh, I'm having a hard time coming up with it. Yeah, I used to. I don't just, know what's he what's he done lately. I don't even know. Just variant covers. Just uh, we need some tits for the cover. Okay. Look at it here. I'll notice. I'll notice immediately. You will. Don't worry. Linsner, I would never. I would never say an unkind word about Linsner. That guy is a sweetheart. I've seen interviews with the guy. That guy treats everyone with respect. Well, it sounds like the storm is here, in case anybody hears that thunder. I do. Uh, you hear it? Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, it's some, uh, yeah, J. Scott uh, does some pretty good tit work here. Yeah, okay, it's, just, well, it's, anyway. it's, it's the same shit over and over. I mean, if he was doing actual comics, that's fine. It's it's total cheesecake, man. It's fucking bullshit. Like, yeah, you've got a style. Like, I remember when I was going to art school and uh, my art teacher was who's from Ghana. Was like, yes, this is good. You you do a hundred of them. You have Manhattan show. Okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And that's what he yeah. did. That that's literally the concept. Like he he found a good style. He did a million of them, but it's still you're not doing comics, asshole. You're just doing big tits for the fucking cover. Getting a couple of grand for the cover. Good for you. I don't give a shit. But it's still the same bullshit. 
And how dare you be rude to me? I was excited to meet you. I was so excited to accidentally meet you. Danger girl. Danger girl. That's what it was. Mm. Oh. Danger girl. You know who plays danger girl in cosplay pornos? (laughs) No. Siri. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, I'm aware of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Siri does danger girl. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, you know what? This is hilarious. Okay, there's a J. Scott Campbell cover... On an Amazing Spider-Man book that uh, I have a friend years ago, she was learning how to paint and she was like, let me just paint a canvas for you. So she did a duplication of a J. Scott Campbell cover for me. And uh, I knew it seemed familiar because I knew I had the single issue of it. And I'm sure she just did a Google search for like Spider-Man and she thought that's a dynamic pose. It's a very dynamic pose. It's a really great cover. It's from back when uh, Straczynski was writing it. Um, and uh, yeah, damn. Yeah, it was a really good duplication. I have it right over here. Anyway. Well, yeah, that was a lot of vitriol for a second. Uh, not to say that I don't get that way about some things. but I will always, I will always bad, remember that. Uh, yeah, I don't have any bad comics... Uh, writer's experiences along the lines of that dude it's just a staggering load of chicks if you just google j scott campbell it is just a ridiculous bucket of poured out women that's what the the 90s the 90s are over (laughs) move on at least dodson and dodson does like actual full comic art and does the pages Terry, oh yeah, Terry Dodson. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, let me, that's that all is, is the tastiest cheesecake I'm aware of. All his chicks look the Frank same. Cho. Frank Cho is also very juicy uh, and, and Greg Land too, but they do they still do comics, not just uh, yeah, I like not, Greg Land. Sorry, not I just mean. variants. I love the, those guys. They still do comics, and I would yeah. like to I would like to think that if I met them and I was excited to meet them, whether it was at a Seven Eleven or at a Comic Con. That they wouldn't be an asshole to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just. I mean, the only the only thing I'm gonna say is, it's it's a business situation to go out and meet your fans. It's a business situation to be doing commissions or signing. Don't care. Money t- changing hands and. Don't yeah, care. there's no sense in there's no sense in being rude, of course, but like. It's, it's being, yeah, he could at the very least instead of acting the way that he acted, he could probably have just been like, "Hey, cool, it's nice to meet you. I'm getting ready to start signing over here, and I, I've got to go right now. But thank you for, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, whatever. Thank you for anything. Thank you for everything. Thank you for knowing who I am at the very least. You know, dude, uh, and at you know, the very I'm least, sorry, I can't let you in in front of all of these other people who have been waiting for. And me. I, I would have any number of other ways to do things. I would have been understanding. And as as a true leader, when I was a manager at a few different places, the answer to your underlings, if they've got a question or need help, is, "Do you have time?" If they ask, "Do you have time?" Yes, I do. If you don't have time because you're getting pulled into something you absolutely cannot get out get out of, what's your question? Write it down. I will be back to you. Literally ASAP. And yeah, fill in the blanks, but not, not, not that shit. Not, not, not that at all. Like exactly like, Hey man, you just cut in line. 
I, this guy's waiting for his drawing. Oh shit, man! I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt your moment. I didn't mean to interrupt your moment, man. I just bumped in, like came in like this, like out of the line in a, in a mist of chaos. And then his dad being shitty to me, and then, uh, but that's, the that's the weird, that's the real weird. Like if if I didn't buy something that's no longer on sale, but I see a stack of them, and there's a sign that says no longer signing, and there's still people there yeah. that are getting shit signing. Okay, I'm a little, I'm a little. Help me understand this, you old bastard. And and but at the same time, I had this shining light because right afterwards I was pissed, and I didn't tell you uh, because. You were just beaming because I walked right up to <laughs> to Jay Lee handing you your name more, and I gotta get this. Took like eight shots. We took a we posted the good one, and um, and then I forgot about it. And then it wasn't until I was reading this I really remembered. Like fuck that guy, dude. Wow. I, you know, hey, that's a rough thing for you to have done, and then for you to like come in and just be like, no, this is this is a really great moment. I don't want to mess that up. That's. <laughs> Yeah, redirection on your own part, uh, dude. That's just that's just how you and I operate because your very present makes me happy. But like at the same time, I want to talk about a good interaction when uh, the first, the second time we went to Denver Comic Con and Brian Polito was there, and I I had a Mm -hmm. ton of Evil Ernie and Lady Death stuff from him. I had uh, some uh, a signature, a really rare card set that had like this a Necro card. And um, everything was chromium. Remember that awesome chromium from the mid nineties, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I just geeked out hardcore. I just spewed it out. My name's Joshua Michael. Uh, I couldn't buy your comics because my parents would let me. Wouldn't let me. I had the my original one was the 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 evil Ernie uh, uh, mini comic from the Wizard number this one, and I, I've been like. My my buddy my my big brother knew you and and said you guys were a gang and I I I just love you I just like tell me you this really happened at an Iron Maiden concert uh, and 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 he's like hey man nice to meet you he didn't go whoa 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 dude <laughs> slow down he just said hey man nice to meet you and I'm like can I please shake your hand and he's like oh I'd be happy to shake your hand and then there's this big titty blonde chick I'm like is she really Lady Death is that really your wife he's like hell yeah she she had some huge tits. Like this makes me happy, and I'm just like, like just on like the like, yeah, I was smoking pot and I was drinking, but I was still just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were. I was literally walking around Denver Comic Con, like vaping, vaping some shit my friend Don gave me, and uh, I just geeked out like crazy. And I was like, uh, if you don't mind, I don't, I don't have any money buying your stuff, but I've, I've already bought a lot of your stuff. Do you mind signing? He's like, fuck yeah, I'll sign your shit. What do you want me to sign? And I had a stack of stuff, uh, like one that was already signed. I bought there earlier that I didn't realize was already, he already signed this. I'm like, well, I just bought this here earlier. Well, I'll sign it again. <laughs> and he's like, and I showed him my deck of cards. Like, where's your, is, is the necro card in there? And he's like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, I got to get the necro card. And he gingerly takes it out. He didn't just grab it from me like he didn't give oh, a shit. Cool, yeah. Gingerly took it out, signed it, signed the, signed the nice cover set that was set in. And told me all about chaos comics there was maybe five people around him it wasn't like people were hounding him but he could tell and he had the metal that metal vest denim vest covered in patches and spikes and 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 (laughs) and uh he's telling me what sort of gang they were and how cool stephen hughes was and how much he misses him he answered every question i was there 45 minutes i did not want to walk away from this guy and 
probably longer. I just I had to I had a million questions. And he's like, man, I'm sorry you couldn't buy the comics. Oh, I was a kid, man. You know, my parents were being assholes. They just didn't want me reading this shit. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I've uh, yeah. seen the artwork. I know that's not stuff that kids get to read. Man. Yeah, I mean, the artwork was great. But it was like, Evil Ernie was like uh, abused kid, uh, kills everyone at school, kills himself, wakes up in, in hell. And this big titty just bitch is like, hey, I'll love you forever if you kill the whole world. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll make you bigger. <laughs> Gives him all this yeah. power, and he's just this evil apocalypse-intended person. And this all happened when uh, Polito was at an Iron Maiden show and got the idea for Evil Ernie. Complete ripoff of uh, the Iron Maiden mascot, <laughs> Eddie. And uh, I loved it. Everything chaos. Uh, you, you know. You've seen it. We've been in a bunch of places where I find chaos comics, and I'm like, these, these belong. Mm-hmm. These belong to me now. <laughs> like, like you already, you, you've been like, I've seen you buy those before. Nope, nope. These belong to me now. They do safe home, safe home. <laughs> I totally have said that. I'm like, I know you have this already. <laughs> safe home, safe home. Dude, it's the worst. It's so crazy. You get someplace and you're like, do I need another Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two Number Thirty Six? Like, do I? But it just, it's there. It's such a good price. It's hard because then you're like, well, maybe I get this one signed. And it's like that's the difference compared to like the one that I bought on the day that, you know, this changed everything for me when it comes to comics and stuff like that. It's just I, I don't know. Do you, you see something? And it's like, do I have this already? I run into that with the Captain Marvel every once in a while. I'm like, have I got all of these? Or is this one I'm, I'm looking for? And you've got to have a, a website that tells you if it's, yeah, I, you know, I've got an app for uh, my uploads and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. Dude, I've have five copies of Dawn Lucifer's Halo number one because I found it randomly and said, nope, nope, this is mine now. It needs a good home. Like, I'll find, <laughs> I'll find someone that wants it. How many just, of those spawn issues do you have that has your uh, your uh, fan letter in it? Uh, just the one that you got. I mean, it's in my safe deposit box. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. the The first one I got uh, got lost in a move from Guam to uh, Oklahoma, and um, I don't know <laughs> how that mermaid I, reading it somewhere. I, probably, but yeah, like it was one of my like we had just become friends. And I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm at this place. Is there any spawn? There's a bunch of spawn stuff. Uh, anything you want? And I'm like, yeah, look for 97. And uh, you found it. Oh, dude, you made my day. Oh, man. But, yeah, Polito. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I've got all these. Dude, I found an issue of Don Lucifer's Halo for a dollar at the flea market here in the Springs. This, mm-hmm. The same day I bought She Number One, um... Remember when uh, we met Tucci and I was geeking out like shit and he's like, mm-hmm. this look has never been read. I got it at a fucking <laughs> flea market for a dollar. Well, in that case, I've got this uh, donation for Wounded Warriors. Yeah, dude, we'll put as much money as we got in our pockets <laughs> there. Like yeah. we we're, were, were like you, me and Chad were like, what what dollars do we have? So we keep talking to this guy to make Josh happy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, oh, that was such a good day. We'll talk about it forever, listeners. Get ready to yeah, hear yeah. the same story yeah, all of them. I'm done, to, man. We need to go to another show, man. And develop new stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, you know, I think we need to do a uh, magic unwrapping. Oh, that'd be interesting, yeah. I've got that box I've been meaning to send you since Christmas. <laughs> 
I know, dude, yeah. That's, uh, that's true. I haven't got to play Magic in quite a while. Life is good. Oh, yeah, man. We will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that stuff. It'd be good to do an unboxing. I'm, uh, gonna be taking the, uh, the, uh, recording to my new town here pretty quick. And, uh... Tulsa, Oklahoma, baby. Magic there. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll try try working in another uh, another aspect of my market. Just then, go uh, do we'll the to spend your extra money because you're going to be stretched thin. Just spend the extra five ten bucks to go uh, to a indie wrestling show with Josh Rules. Oh, that's a good point, dude. That's there's there's definitely some some indie wrestling over there that's worth. And if you've got a recorder and you're working for an established podcast, you'll get in for free, and you can interview everyone and have a good ass time. I know. I'm yeah. I'm 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 in a podcast. <laughs> you've, you've got the recorder. Uh, I'll order you one of the uh, the uh, mini mics I got. I put it on a oh, the lavaliers. A, a, yeah, yeah. I, I put it on a chopstick, and this thing is ninety eight percent as good as this big sun bitch that we, we use all the time. It just doesn't capture as much ambient sound. Right on. Yeah, right. It, yeah. That's what they're for. Yeah, you can record everything by the same seven dollar fucking app to record. It actually uploads straight to the Dropbox. Cool. Well, hey, let's uh, let's uh, finish up with a, 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 a meme that I encountered today. Chuck Norris once passed six kidney stones. They were subsequently collected by Thanos and embedded in a gauntlet. <laughs> Wait, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, my, if you're gonna do Chuck Norris, uh, uh, did you know Chuck Norris can blow bubbles with beef jerky? <laughs> That's ridiculous. What? Yeah, and also if you stare into uh, the American flag, you will see a three D image of Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nineties. That's super duper nineties. And also, I have to call up my friend Tom, who does the indie rap report with us. He's never seen First Blood, and I'm judging you. Oh wow, that's a rough one. Yeah. Or Rambo First Blood 2, which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got Rambo uh, 5 coming out now. Uh, last so would seem. Mm-hmm. Last Blood. <laughs> like, I don't want to see yeah. Rambo die. I know. Well, hey, man, I got a huge storm getting ready to come through, and there's apparently a tornado warning over here. Not in my county, but getting close, so. That's the uh, perils of living in Oklahoma. I'm going to look into this. Yeah, I live in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm an asshole. (laughs) Enjoy that crisp, freezing air, dude. It's 50 degrees. I'm freezing. I'm not not freezing. I'm boiling. It's so hot. We got to turn the fan on. (laughs) Turn the AC on. Fucking with you, man. It's yeah. been such a good time, and we covered some kick ass comics. We really appreciate all you listeners. Send us anything that you want us to talk about, anything we said that we fucked up or you hate about us, because well, I will especially love some hate mail. But uh, <laughs> we've, we've got a, a good indie wrestling report coming up because we're going to go over the newest, uh, me and Tom. And if uh, Colin is available, we will uh, go over the uh, latest uh, New Japan. Uh, Ring Honor kind of sucked, but uh, Impact Johnny Mundo slash Johnny Nitro slash John uh, Blackcraft 
Johnny Blankety Blank has a new kick-ass finisher, and Mox is going up against Kenny Omega at the fucking all-out. Oh, dude, I had a half chub all day yesterday when they announced it. Sold out in four minutes again, I think. Fifteen. Fifteen. But there's those people who are like, oh, well, you sold uh, Double Nothing in four minutes. Uh, yeah, still 15 minutes. Yeah, don't worry uh, about it, guys. It's still a, a major thing. So. Well, yeah, I'm... I don't think anybody was disappointed by uh, Double Nothing at all. Minefields. <laughs> this, this is, is da- minefields. This is dangerous. Engage. Or... <laughs> what's the what's the other one? <laughs> Make it so. Make it so. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks. Later, Thanks, brother. Everybody. I love you. Bye. Love you too.